Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And I hope you enjoy this new show, whether you're viewing it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the episode. I do want to thank you for being part of my audience. You can also find links to videos or podcasts on MiamiGhostChronicles.com as well as where you can submit your story about any eerie experiences you've had, which I would love to hear about. Just go to the Submit Your Story tab. Please subscribe to our channel so that you receive notification of when we release a new show. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where I usually live stream and where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at locations where new episodes are being filmed at, I also tell you about all the interesting guests that will be appearing soon on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How is everybody doing today? Good, I hope. You know, I'm still like, I said earlobe deep, still earlobe deep in South Florida summer. Okay, so you know what that means. Humid, hot, sticky, but yeah, even having been raised here, I'm still, and I'm telling you, talk about hot. But anyway, uh, I wanted to tell you a little bit about my guest today. And again, this is somebody, and you know, I've had some guests before that, and, and I always point this out. This is somebody who who was involved with the paranormal long before all the big mainstream interest in it that you've seen maybe in the last 10 years or the 15 years where, you know, all the reality TV shows, this is like way before when, when you tell anybody that this is what you did, you would get a really weird look. <laughs> but anyway, the gentleman that I have with me today, his name is Lon Strickler. Now he is a Fordian researcher and author of several books. Uh, he writes the Phantom and Monsters blog. Uh, he's a co-host at the Existence of Strange Things on RadioMemphis.com. He's also an intuitive and a mystic at Astral Perceptions Universal. Now, he's been involved in this since the 1970s, folks. That's over 40 years, and which he's been researching supernatural sub subjects. And some of the books that he's written about have to do with The Mothman, uh, Unexplained Encounters, uh, you name it, because that's the thing, and, that, and I'm, that's, I'm hoping we're going to talk to Lon about that. Is despite what everybody thinks, there's a lot of weird stuff besides the ghost and the Bigfoot stuff. There's a lot of cryptids and unusual and bizarre things out there that sometimes go a little bit under the radar. Okay, so uh, how are you doing today, Ron? Oh, I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. No, absolutely, it's my pleasure. And Lon, I, I like. And the reason why I mention this is that everybody knows that Marlene always points out about when, and we were talking about it briefly right before we started, the difference as far as anybody that was involved, whether doing personal research or even if you were with a team of people between, and especially you that you've been doing since the 1970s to now, how much more basic it was as far as way back when, when you wanted to you had an experience and sometimes the best you could hope for was a witness <laughs> you know that somebody else was there with you yeah I was quite different back then I mean I was telling you earlier I remember the times I would go into a home and 
you know, I don't even know if we called them EVPs back then, but I remember carrying the um, carrying the cassette tape recorder along with me, and uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes you got it, and sometimes you didn't. But it was um, it was pretty rudimentary. I I kind of I kind of used uh, my intuitive ability uh, the best I could for everything I did. So um, okay, yeah, it was uh, it was way before uh, what it is today. Now, I'm going to ask you what I ask all my guests is, obviously, you're, you're very much involved now in the paranormal, but uh, how did, uh, did you have an experience that got you interested in this as a child, uh, anything like that? Well, I was born and raised in Hanover, Pennsylvania. I actually lived there again after 40 years uh, near Balt- being, living near Baltimore, but uh, I spent a lot of time on the Gettysburg battlefield as a kid. And it was very, very close to me. It was only like 11 miles really? down the road. So what I would do, I'd get on my bike and I'd just spend the day there. Spent a lot of summers there. Wow. So, uh, you know, I know I know the battlefield inside. Actually, I did some tour guide work there later on. But uh, I was about eight years old one day. I was in an area of the battlefield they called Death Valley, which, is, which lies in between little round top uh devil's den in the wheat field so there was a lot of action there especially on the second day okay and uh, <clears throat> what happened was i was on my bike i was on the uh on the road uh riding towards devil den and i just suddenly started hearing gunfire and cannon fire and it's wow. like everything opened up for me uh started to smell gun powder started seeing apparitions smelled blood what decay everything yeah my senses just opened up all of a sudden and uh that's the first that i it happened to me like that now you know i i knew that i could sense spiritual energy but not to that extent and i don't know what had opened up i i must have going through a um some type of time slip or something okay but it's not the only time it happened that happened that happened several times i used to uh i used to sneak on the battlefield at night used to s- sleep there at night sometime to camp out wow and uh you know it, you know it's, it's something i i had really never really paid much attention to as far as being intuitive but you know, I didn't live in a haunted house or anything like that. I don't even right. think my parents knew much about what I was going through because I, I just really just kept it to myself. So, uh, yeah, so that's the way it was. And, uh, you know, when I got older and started getting interested in the paranormal a bit more, I started going to locations and, and doing my own private investigations. Mm-hmm. Then it got to the point where people were calling me and asking me to come into uh, into their homes and businesses or a location. Okay. So that's how it kind of developed. And I don't know, uh, did you have any experience way back then where when people asked you to come and investigate, people sometimes were very, very cautious about that because it's... Not like now. Most people realize, wow, this if this gets out, <laughs> I don't want anybody to know that I think that there's something going on in my house, you know, so. 
people were. Yeah, it's, yeah people were were. Yeah, they were hesitant. I. Uh, yeah. It was kind of all a word by mouth thing, and uh, and in fact, I remember the first time I went to someone's place, I was asked by their daughter, who I went to school with, uh, to co- if I wouldn't mind coming over because she had known about what I was doing. And her and I had talked about it, and she, um, wow, she told her parents. But it was it was it was just a regular house. It wasn't an older house. It was a like a ranch style home, and um, uh huh, it was it was haunted. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There was ener- spirit energy in there. Uh, like most places that I have investigated, private places that I investigated over the years. I, I, it kind of lends itself toward a lot of dysfunction or problems within yes. the home where it's just fed. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes. that was the situation there. But I I didn't know how to clear at that time. Right. But uh, I kind of worked it out with them and let them know what I thought was going on. And I told them, you know, I was, <laughs> I was in high school, but I told them, I said, you know, you got to, you got to calm things down around here because you're just making it worse for yourself, you know, which is kind of unusual for a kid to tell an adult that yeah. back at that time. <laughs> but, um, you know, you know, I, sometimes when I did this, it did get me in a bind. And, uh, you know, I tried to make, make it as smooth as possible. I was, I, you know, I lived in an area, and it is an area that's very conservative, a lot of uh, okay. old German background and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it, it's still, you know, it's unusual. It, it, you know, it's still kind of a secretive thing. People don't like to talk about it. Right. But, uh, you know, I moved back to this town back in uh, June of 2016, about six months after my wife passed. And my oh. son and I moved up back up here. And since that time, I have actually worked, as of last week, I've uh, actually cleared 19 homes in this town. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so the activity has picked up. I don't know if it's because I came to town or just something that never It's like, happened. hey. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, we're so near Gettysburg, so, and I don't know if it has any residual effect or not, but, uh, you know, there have been so there has been one well-known haunting in this town that's been going on for years, and, uh, and some of the, some of the, uh, cases i took on were actually near that near that home so i don't know if it's something to do with that but Mm -hmm. you know it's it's an unusual situation so yeah i've been pretty busy so do you think that it was in other words you're not sure whether it was just residual you know sometimes negative stuff that happens in the house it'll stay layered there or there was any intelligent haunting or was it like you said sometimes even pk energy giving up in a, you know, like you said, in an atmosphere that's supercharged, depending on what's going on by whoever lives there, over yeah, length I of think, period, you know, not just yeah, because I of think one most argument. Of the, um, I, I think most of these cases that I have taken on over the years mm-hmm. are, uh, like you said, PK, uh, possible poltergeist that's manifested by somebody in the home. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I also do distance clearing. I've been... I uh, was trained to remove view about t- eight years ago. Okay. I use that as well to, in, in what I do. So, um, okay. Yeah, I you know I think that's I think that is the major reason why P 
people get activity for whatever reason they pick something up something attaches to them Mm -hmm. uh for whatever reason you know um i seem to work with a lot of people who have um uh benign abilities right and they really don't know why these energies keep attaching to them okay and you know they bring into the house if there's some things going on in the house it just magnifies the uh the activity so yeah there you go that's what you know that's a mo- that's mostly what I run into. Let me ask you because I know in and I I'm not sure exactly what area of Pennsylvania, but I know out there they have the powwow magic or powwowing. Yeah, um, I grew up with it. You've come up against that and uh, yeah, I uh, I actually had an aunt who was a powwower and um, oh really okay yeah I, I you know that's uh, I've written about it a couple you, times okay but uh, I got a family I have family that have actually been powwowers over the years uh it's not prevalent now in fact the state basically outlaws it but it's 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 a folk magic how can they outlaw uh, something like that how well can they do that? there was a famous murder here in york county uh back in the uh back in the 30s the uh the hex hollow murders yeah that that i i'm i'm, I'm, I'm familiar were, with that but the, but still that that's that, that, that could be that was somebody that was obviously but it could, it's like, okay, you're going to outlaw people with, you know, that are crazy because obviously, you know, some people, if they're mentally ill or something, they'll use any pretext. It wouldn't be the first time, but I wasn't aware that they had actually outlawed it up there. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty yeah, extreme. It's, um, yeah, it's still in the books, too. Uh, <laughs> oh and, but there, there's still a lot of active powwowers uh, here in Pennsylvania. But basically, you know, powwow is nothing more than just Appalachian folklore. It's uh, right. it's almost the same thing that you'll find being practiced the whole way up and down the Appalachians. I mean, it's it's practically mm-hmm. the same thing you find in West Virginia and Tennessee and eastern Kentucky and uh, North Carolina. There's uh, these uh, root conjurers and uh, these folk magic healers. It's it's almost all the same. It's not much really that whole, whole lot of difference to it. Do you think it's died out because, and I'm not sure if this is accurate or not, that a lot of it was passed down by oral tradition. In other words, that's how people were taught. Like you had somebody either in your family or whatever, kind of show yeah. you. It wasn't like, oh, here's the book. It was like you learned by uh, directly from another person that practiced it. Yeah, it was rarely taught to someone outside the family. It was right, kind of exactly. passed that's down. What I've heard. Uh, a lot of times, it was passed down from like. Uh, not parents to children, but like aunts and uncles to mm-hmm. nieces and nephews. That seemed to be what happened a lot. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was pretty familiar with it. I've, uh, and in fact, and I, I kind of hate to admit this, but I always keep uh, a long lost friend with me all the time. Really? Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I do. I, uh, I keep it around me. Okay. Uh, I keep a talisman with me as well, so okay. You know, I'm. You know, it's kind of ingrained in you, but exactly, exactly. You know, and I'm not a religious person. No, no, really. I, but I, I totally I, understand. I, I totally yeah. understand. Yeah. Yeah, you grow up with certain beliefs, and even if, and let me tell you something, especially when it's coming from authority figures, as in a family member or parent, it's really hard that, even though, like you said, your logical mind kind of explains it away there's a part of you that's like 
just in case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I've, you know, I've never really practiced it, but I'm very familiar with how it's practiced. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's, um, I have talked to several practitioners, uh, what they call hexmeisters or whatever right. they want to call themselves. Um, and, uh, you know, I've kind of learned a little bit here and there over the years, but it's not necessarily what I do. I do some different things. Okay. So I'll say I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? But to be honest with you, I think that anybody that's in this field, especially a, which, you know, part of what you end up doing is what you're doing, which is going into houses and to clear them. The mm -hmm. more knowledge you have about different belief systems or origins of what might be there it's better for you it's helpful to whoever you're helping because sometimes people move into locations and they really have no idea what or who was there before them and sometimes they're like we don't get why this is happening or we're hearing or experiencing this and they're totally out in left field and you know the more knowledgeable you are the better it is for whoever it is that you're trying to help yeah it is i mean you know i i've run a across a lot of um, a lot of things that I had really no idea about in fact I had a case uh, that that wasn't far from here where a, a woman who who was a Bahamian uh, descent she had lived in New York and her her grandmother was actually an obey priestess uh-huh and uh, apparently what happened was, when her her grandmother passed and since she lived with her grandmother uh the tradition was and apparently she had kind of uh upset a few people over the years and uh there was a curse on her and it was automatically transferred to her wow. so uh when she moved with her family to this part of the country here in southern pennsylvania i uh she called me one day and she was having all kinds of crazy things going on uh, and basically what she had was some type of entity and I never really have been able to figure it out but yeah. it was just just messing with her all the time especially yes. when she was sleeping yeah. and uh, you know I, I, I attributed to a lot of what was going on with the Obey religion which is, you know, it's just one of the many Creole religions. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a little different than voodoo or Santeria, but it's, 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 it's basically the same. You know, there's some religion, actual Christian religion mixed in with it and oh, such. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so, uh, you know, I, I did my homework and did some work with her, and eventually we ended up clearing it out of there. So wow. uh, it took a while. Yeah, but people don't realize that a lot of the uh, those religions, like you said, Santeria, Voodoo, Candomblé, all these, you know, that they are they're, they're, they have they're different, but they're kind of the same roots, uh, which is the African nature religions. A lot of them, when they do curse, they use uh, the spirits, in other words, as emissaries, as part of the curse. In other words. Mm -hmm. You know, they bind the soul, usually, of course, one that is a discarnate. In other words, that hasn't um, 
hasn't ascended. In other words, it's trapped or caught or whatever. And that's, they bind it and they use it in a lot of their uh, curse work. So I'm not surprised mm. when you told me that, um, that this is what it was. Because I've heard of other people, not because they got it inherited from their grandmother. Poor lady. She must have been darn. But uh, yeah, I've heard of other people having similar experiences along those lines. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a very unusual thing. People don't realize. Well, you know, interestingly enough, you know, I, I do all kinds of research with different types of uh, phenomena. And uh, this kind of folk magic, folk religion takes, uh, comes into play a lot of times with a lot of different phenomena. I mean, even with mm. cryptid uh, uh, manifestations, it, it does. It, I've, you know, when you start digging deep into it, you start realizing, uh, you know, okay. here we got some type of cult magic or something getting yes. involved. And then you got to learn how to deal with that, too. So, yeah, it's uh, it comes into a lot of different aspects of my work. Sure. And let me tell you something. Your knowledge must be priceless. I'm telling you, it must be priceless because, like you said, there's so many different religious slash, you know, magical belief systems out there. There's a lot of them that people sometimes have no idea that the root cause of maybe what's going on at their location or to them is that, especially if it was something done in the land. If, I mean, it could be a whole host of things. So I'm telling you, your knowledge is priceless for somebody that asks you to come in and help them out. Because I've heard of people asking for help and it ends up getting worse because somebody that goes in there doesn't really know what they're doing. Well, that's a big problem. That yes. is really a big problem. I have had many cases where that's happened where, uh, someone starts experiencing activity uh, and the first thing you do is they get on the internet and start checking for the first paranormal group in the area they can find yeah. or who will come out there yes and uh they come in there usually exasperate everything uh, yeah. and uh you know and in fact I, I i have been in situations after several priests have been in and they go running out of the house because they get scared yes and then people call me Exactly. Exactly. You know, especially, and don't get me wrong, I think that there's times where, yes, where the rites of exorcism are going to mm -hmm. work. A lot of it depends on the circumstances, what's happening there, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a lot of non-human entities, okay, which are not, that precede Judeo-Christian belief systems. And well, yeah. the rights yeah, of exorcism, it's not going to do kind of anything. You know, hey, you know <laughs> I've gotten to situations where I have told um, where I have told a client that, you know, I can't do anything else for you. You're going to have to call a qualified priest, somebody who was taught in the rights of exorcism. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm at the point where I just can't help you anymore. Right. But they got to bring the right person in there. Yes. And that's not easy to do because normally you've got to get somebody from out of state who's mm -hmm. been involved with this before. And, uh, you know, though I know the Catholic Church is actually recruiting more people over the years now. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's really helping or kind of expanding on people thinking that they're having problems. But, um, 
you know, yeah, and you're right about the non-terrestrial, non, uh, non-human type entities. Yes. You know, there are have been cases I've been involved with and cases I, that I know with other people. Uh, some well-known cases, actually, that people thought that they were being infested by a, uh, a human-based or earthbound energy, and it turns out it's something completely different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's out there, and it happens yes. more than people realize. Yes. And contrary to what people think of as, I'm going to use the D word, it's not a demon. <laughs> There's a lot yeah, of non-human entities out there that don't fall into the category of the demon, you know, because, and, and the reason I'm, I'm, you know, poking fun at it because I really think that that word is overused. You know, oh, everything sure. is a demon. <laughs> You know, I, I don't like the word you. I never I use the word demon. I, you know, I people tell me, well, I think I've got a demon. Well, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, it, there's evil and there's evil. You can call it what you want to call exactly. it. Exactly. Demon is a religious term, as far as I'm concerned. I know the church overuses it. It's mm-hmm. it's always meant to be the the devil, Lucifer, or whatever, or one of their minions. But you know, evil is evil, and you know, exactly. It's, it's all treated the same way, and uh, it's it just a matter of the degree of the, the malevolency, and uh, that's what you're there to determine. Of course. And people don't realize that, you know, of course, because thanks to Hollywood, people, um, when they think of the, the rites of exorcism as far as the Catholic religion is concerned, sometimes people go through years mm-hmm. being exorcised. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody thinks that, you know, you spend a weekend or a few days or a day and, you know, things fly around and you spit up pea soup and then oh, it's over. Mm-hmm. If you look, <laughs> uh, people sometimes go throughout years with uh, like a regular appointment f- to have an exorcist work with them, mm-hmm. you know, and even once they are finally cleansed, they were always walking a very thin line. Uh, well, they're susceptible. Yes, absolutely. That's why I laugh when people say, like what you just said earlier, oh, I've got a demon. I was like, shut up. You don't know what you're saying. Shut up. <laughs> That's the last thing you want. That's Well, and like I said before, it, it, it's usually people that are susceptible to these malevolent yes. attachments are people that have abilities. And, uh, yes. you know, I work with a, a, a fairly large number of uh very young physical mediums mm-hmm. who, when they're, you know, they're 8, 10, 12 years old and they have no idea what's going on, the parents are scared to death, um, then they start asking you for help. And I, I run across that a lot, even with okay. adults that, that, are, that have abilities. And the thing I tell them, the first thing I tell them is, look, I think you need to get some meditation training and to start learning how to control this yourself. Yes. Because it's something that's just not going to go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can learn to dim the attraction to you and to keep yourself calm and not exasperate the situation and to stop the fear that results when you see something that you're not familiar with, Right. Uh, That's 99% of the battle right there. Exactly. And people don't realize that, 
being a physical medium can does drain you physically if you oh, don't yeah. have good boundaries up or because a lot of the how can i say the process of being a physical medium is you actually well you, you whether you you allow them to channel or not but you sometimes feel basically what that entity either experience or wants you to experience and it takes a lot out of you so yeah those, those, that's very good advice as far as if somebody's a physical medium and people don't realize that not you could be psychic and not necessarily be a physical medium yeah yeah well, look that's what i am you know yeah. i'm an, i you know i'm intuitive I, i'm more clairvoyant than anything else but i'm not a physical medium Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when, when I started to train to be a remote viewer, which is a process that took actually over a year wow. to do, uh, when I started using in my work, you'd be, you know, some people are surprised. I'm quite sure you wouldn't be, but I would be physically attacked at a distance. Yes. Uh, and I mean physical where there are scratches and bruises and all kinds of yes uh all kinds of maladies because of it mm -hmm. uh i would do normally do it when i do a session and this still happens when i do a session say a session will take an hour and a half two hours i'm usually so drained i can't do much of anything for at least 24 hours yes and uh but there have been times when i've had to live with the pains and i i still have some of the battle scars yes and people don't realize that even besides the being a physical medium, by the way, like you said, any type of psychic work, mm -hmm. it can be physically draining. It, it does. It is physically draining. That's why people say, oh, because I'm psychic. And it's like, you know, how, and, and I tell everybody, you know, back in the, you know, when spiritualism was going on and, you know, like Houdini and all these people running around trying to expose all these spiritualists and mediums. And yeah, some of them were out and out, you know, they were not real. But I tell everybody, you know what? I bet you that there was a lot of them that were. But you can't do it every single day on demand because sometimes mm -hmm. it is so exhausting. But some of these people, if you are paying your bills by connecting with the other side, guess what? There was probably times that they did make stuff up, you know, or do whatever, you know, they were doing to, to produce something. But it's but it wasn't that they weren't. It's just that you cannot do it on a regular day-to-day, day-after-day basis because or do it effectively. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, I, um, you know, when I when I get ready to do a session, you know, of course I do a lot of protection and uh, mm -hmm. I have to basically condition myself before I do anything because uh, I know what I'm going to feel like when it's over. And, uh, right. you know, I try not to schedule much of anything afterwards. You know. Which isn't always easy to do. Yes, I know. I know. Because it's, it, a lot of times it's one of those deals where somebody will literally call you on the phone and beg you yeah. to come over to their home and to work with, you know, see what's going on and to give them an idea of what's going on. And uh, that can be pretty bad because you, you really have no idea what you're getting into. You've got right. a sense of what's going on, but really you don't know what's going to happen. So, uh, yeah, it takes its toll. I think every time you do a case, a little piece of it is taken away. And uh... Let me ask you something, Lon. And, and, and I usually ask paranormal researchers who've been doing it for a few years. 
and I don't know if you've had this experience where sometimes even before you know or are contacted about a case, things start happening. In other words, which I tell everybody, that was my first tip off that there was something intelligent hunting or something over there. Because even sometimes before I actually knew it, I would have little things starting to happen at my house around me. And I would be like, huh? Okay. After a while, I caught on. I was like, okay. Pretty, any day now, I'm going to get either a phone call or then later on an email. And thanks for just giving me the heads up because now I realize that there is something there because otherwise none of this would be happening. In other words, because time and space is not the same for, for an intelligent entity over there, discarnate. Have you ever had that experience where before you even knew about it, things were happening around you or in your house? Well, what happens to me is I, I pretty well keep my my habitat pretty clear. I mean, and pretty protected. So I don't okay. normally have anything going on around me. But what does happen a lot of times, and I warn people about this before I, when I talk to them, and invariably it happens, and a lot of my clients can tell you what happens. I will talk to them. And let's say somebody calls me at like six o'clock in the afternoon and said, look, I got a, uh, I got this and this going on and you know, I can't do it. You know, it's, it's beyond control now. Something needs to be done quickly. So I will tell them, look, I will, I will actually start working on your location. I get the location, the address and everything. I will work on your location, maybe 2000 miles away from me, but I'll start working on on the location remotely and mm-hmm. um but i warn them if you start hearing stuff <laughs> you start seeing lights flashing about you start hearing static like sounds uh that's me right yeah so i had one i have one particular that was pretty interesting i had a um a gentleman just outside of atlanta who um was telling me about all the things that were going on in his office. He's got an upstairs office in his house. And, uh, you know, he, he had I mean, he had actual large equipment being picked up off the floor and dropped and stuff. And, uh, you know, he said, I have to have something done. It's scaring the family. You know, something's got to be done about this. So um, I told him, I said, well, look, you know, do me a favor. Go downstairs. Sit in the living room and do what you got to do. But stay out of that room tonight. Fine. So um, about an hour and a half later, he calls me back up. And he told me, he said, you know, I, 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 I can't believe what's going on there. He said, there are lights flying out of the, the, the door. I mean, out of the, uh, out of the doorway. They're flashing. They're wow. banging. He said, it looked like somebody set fireworks off in there. And uh, I told him, I said, I warned you. I said, you know, but, you know, it, you know, I worked with him a little bit more, and we pretty well got things straightened out there. And I haven't had to go back in oh, for at least two years now. So, yeah, it looks like things worked out. But that can tend to happen. Sure. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is. You know, I'm a big believer in angels. And mm-hmm. uh, I kind of call upon my my squadron to come in and do some work okay and uh that's usually what causes all that from what i can tell but okay you know it's not just me it's it's whatever's working with me at the time 
Right, exactly. And, um, you know, I tell everybody because uh, I used to do hypnotherapy before. I don't have time anymore. But um, I used to work in uh, alternative hypnotherapy. And I would, I mean, people would come to me for your regular stuff like, I want to stop smoking, you know, I want to drop some of my bad habits, you know, you know, stuff like that. And then you, I would do the alternative, which is I would have people that would come in with what they thought were attachments or, you know, things like that. And the my office, I used to have a detached garage and away from the house. And it was like my office in there. And I would have a window that had, you know, that frosted glass. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I would be working out there and the outside of that window was just like a little passageway between the wall and the fence in other words it didn't face the street it it was basically to my backyard nobody would go in that little passage it's just like a a little brickway that i had built there and i knew sometimes even before people coming in i would if i would be working out there in the office i would see figures go back and forth on the other side of that frosted glass and to me it was my heads up that Either one, there was a case coming in along those lines, or somebody that I had already booked an appointment with, um, that there was something there. You know, because a lot of times people have these ideas and it's not what it is, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that was my first tip off that. And a lot of times it's really funny because I would see that, let's say now, let's say, guess what? Within an hour or by the morning, I would get a message from this person trying to cancel the appointment like hey I can't make it and that was very common I would say okay whenever you're ready eventually they would come back but you could tell that whatever was there was working very hard to not have this person come in to see me in other words get exposed because I mean it's a process where basically this is you know something that's attached within your body and or aura and that's a whole different thing. That's a real interesting um, rabbit hole to go down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, um, it is. it's it's that's what I'm saying. People, uh, a lot of times we we're the ones that judge time linear. And now that we're talking about linear time, and I know you have written a lot about cryptids, and sometimes that I've discussed with different people, you know, why sometimes they're not found and conversations about whether they're interdimensional or they can go between this dimension and the next and that's why sometimes they're difficult to find for lack of a better word I believe that most cryptids you know these uh, these beings that are unknown to science Mm -hmm. now we're talking like Bigfoot for the most part though I think there are some indigenous groups throughout the world Right. but Bigfoot the Mothman, flying humanoid type beings, mm-hmm. uh, non-terrestrial alien, even UFOs come through um, come through a wormhole or portal okay. like mm-hmm. from another uh, from another existence, and I, I think that I think that does does happen. You know, yes. when you start talking to people in ufology and in cryptozoology, they want to discount that for the most part because. In ufology, it's, well, the only thing that could come through something like that would be a, a non-corporal or a hologram-like, you know, entity. And I just don't believe it. No. 
I believe I believe that corporal entities can come through from another reality, uh, through a wormhole from another universe of some type. And I, I think um, I think that happens a lot more than what people realize. You know, they talk about UFOs. I think UFOs, for the most part, are uh, are craft that just don't come through interstellar stellar space. Mm-hmm. As a, I mean, in 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 the light of just traveling from planet to planet through space, I think there's yeah. a um, there's some type of wormhole or uh, interdimensional aspect to it. Exactly. So you know, yeah, that's the thinking I've been I've been involved with, and in fact, w- with all this that was going on in Chicago the past year and a half. Yes, Mothman's uh, been seen in Chicago. What is up with that? I um, I, I believe that these are uh, interdimensional beings uh flesh okay. and blood you know not mm-hmm. holograms or uh right manifestations i think these are actual flesh and blood beings that for whatever reason have found their way onto our existence now let's talk about mothman mm-hmm. do you think mothman is a warning or nah. a cause of a disaster no, I don't believe in that harbinger theory. No, okay. What do you, you know, mean? you know that all emanated from uh, from the Point Pleasant. Point Pleasant, right? Incident back yeah. in '67 when the uh, with the bridge collapsed, mm-hmm. Silver Bridge collapsed on the 20th of December, where uh, 46 people passed away, and um, you know they had had these uh, these Mothman, human fly, flying humanoid sightings for approximately a year before that but there were a lot of other things going on too there were a lot of ufo uh a lot of ufo activity and paranormal activity as well but but when this happened in a small community like that yeah i I think people were kind of looking for an excuse or a reason why it happened and since someone came and said well i saw the mothman above the bridge so and so, and they they just assume that's what it was. So that's where that that's where that harbinger of doom or harbinger portent of doom mm-hmm. disaster theory came up. Uh, you know, John Keel was great. He was a fantastic researcher, but I think he kind of perpetuated that a bit too. And um, you know, I think some of the other researchers that are that are involved with with the Mothman. Uh, kind of see this as a uh, a uh, harbinger of doom or some type right. of evil incarnate. I don't believe that. I, I believe these beings are uh, are summoned beings. Okay. I think the the Mothman from Point Pleasant was a summoned being from from another reality by strong spirit presence, most likely a Native American presence in the area. Okay. And uh, I, I think that what's going on in Chicago, and it's just not Chicago. We've got sightings all over the place. Okay. I, I think these are either summoned beings or are coming through for some other reason other than uh, being a malevolent being. In other words, and, and I guess, and... Um, Another theory, and I, and I don't know, not necessarily because I believe it, because really in Mothman, I'm, I'm out in left field as far as, you know, just because something is sighted or shows up in a certain place doesn't necessarily, I know what you're saying, equate to 
bad things happening. Mm-hmm. But you know, part of me th- thinks you know, um, you know, are some of these creatures, like you said, let's say from another dimension, do they feed off of negative emotions, agony, human suffering, death, and is this you know, why they hang out? You know, because maybe they're not just observing; they're there. The, what do you think? That's a good question. I really don't know. I think uh, I think uh, human emotion does play a factor in this, but I, I believe when these things are summoned, they're summoned for a particular reason, like a uh, like a protection, or okay. actually used for some type of retaliation. Okay. Not necessarily to harm someone, but to kind of scare things off. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know as what? Far as, you know, and I, even though I believe they're flesh and blood, I think they actually do feed. I have had, uh, and you know, I didn't really mention a whole lot as when I wrote the book, but uh, we had we had some um, some witnesses who wanted to remain anonymous because actually they were fearful that somebody would come and and harm these things. But they had actually witnessed, according to them one of these beings actually feeding on fish in northwest indiana and this was going on yeah this was going on about the time that all this was going on in chicago so uh you know they may actually they may actually eat flesh right uh, you know yeah not like hang out and like yeah like like an organism that needs to feed itself yeah to keep on actually have food that then just food so uh, you know, I you know I they were pretty. I tell you, it was two witnesses actually. They were pretty um, animate about it, and uh, you know I kind of checked up on them to see who and what they were and what was going on. And uh, you know, at this point, I believe them. I think they actually saw something. In fact, it was something that they had witnessed on several occasions. That's and since possible. me and my team were investigating this, I think they were afraid that people would come in there and, and either hurt them or grab sure. them away sure. or what. And that That's does happen a lot when we get involved in these type of cases. Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm not going to say all everybody, but unfortunately some people, when they don't understand something, they're hostile towards it. And by this I don't mean everything that's out there is like, you know, pink unicorns, but still it's like, you know, you shouldn't like try to like hunt it down. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot of well, people out there like that. There, there's a mentality out there that you know these things need to be these unexplained beings need to be hunted down and, no. and researched. Well, no, I, I, you know, I just, I believe, I just think another way. I mean, you know, if we happen to come across one of them, fine. Well, uh, you know, a lot of people have written a lot of different th- things about these type of beings over the years. Uh, they find one. What they've written over those years is moot. So, <laughs> let me ask you: know, Have you over. have have you ever had since a lot of people call you or let you know about these sightings? Have you ever seen a correlation with sightings of cryptids and sightings of UFOs? Because I've oh, heard of absolutely. People, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've had a couple. In fact, where witnesses would state that they actually see something coming out of one of these craft. There you go. Are associated with craft. And these beings at the same time, you know, that's that's fairly well documented. Yes. Um, and it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't involve UFOs and a cryptid. It 
also involves paranormal activity and uh, a lot of other odd things that go on. But, um, you know, one thing that we have been looking into recently, as far as in the area, is in Pennsylvania, and I'm quite sure it happens other places as well, but this phenomena of people seeing these orbs in relation to Bigfoot sightings, and actually a day or two later when an investigator will go out to the location looking for evidence, these orbs will show up. Wow. Now, that's something that I haven't really run across a lot of over the many years I've done this, but I'd say the last few years, that's becoming more prevalent. Now, why that happens, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it just makes you start thinking, uh, maybe there is some type of paranormal or supernatural aspect. Right, of these connection. Cryptids. So, um, yeah. And what do you think, and, and I have to ask, because there's, there's the people that say Bigfoot is benign, good, don't worry about it. And then there's the other people that think that we have to worry about Bigfoot because given half a chance, Bigfoot would have you for lunch, you know, if they could get away with it. Well, I had an encounter in 81. Oh. And, uh, you know, this thing made no attempt, though I was on the other side of a, a river. Okay. Um, but I was in the river fishing at the time. And when I saw this being... I, uh, it made no indication that it was coming after me okay, or that it was even interested in me. So, um, you know, I, I think for the most part, it, it's just like anything else. They try to avoid human, you know, and other, other creatures. They try to avoid humans. Uh, I, I guess if the situation calls for it, say they're, they feel threatened or trapped or, uh, something that affect uh they they will retaliate and there have been instances where that's happened um i don't think it's much different than any other animal as for even a human i mean a a person is threatened they're going to retaliate exactly yeah and sometimes it's i don't it might be that they have young close by which is what what a lot of animals that's usually when animals that normally passive will get ferocious uh if they're protecting young mm-hmm. so yeah that's very possible you know i i think um i have a friend of mine she lives like a, in california and her husband he told me this story and he was he says in other words he, he says uh he was up camping in northern california with his uncle and his dad and they were they sent him there was a lake nearby and i can't remember if they told him go get some water or go get some more firewood something like that he was a kid i think he was like 10 or 11 and he said that he was just there hanging out and all of a sudden I guess you know there's a clearing right by the lake and all of a sudden he saw Bigfoot step out from the tree line I guess it checked out to see if anybody was there but they didn't see him because he was kind of off in the shadows he says he saw this thing stroll over drink water and then go back in and he says that he was like he said he didn't he didn't move not because he didn't want him to notice is that he says he couldn't move that's how mm. wigged out he was he was like and he said yeah, he went that, back that to camp happen. and his uncle and his dad were like what's wrong with you and he was like uh, he couldn't talk you know and finally he got it out and he says that they were looking at him like your imagination's running away with you or something like that and he says he never forgot that he says as a kid he never 
ever forgot that. And uh, I think a lot of people have those experiences, almost like, you know, you're not hunting for Bigfoot, you know, you're just out there, you're a kid going on a camping trip, and the next thing you know, you have a sighting, just like what you described when you were having a, a fishing trip. You know, it's, um, it happens a lot. You know, I've, I've talked to witnesses, many witnesses, who would be out hunting and be armed, and they'd come face to face with one of these things and just not take a shot at it. Not only because they were paralyzed in, in fear or paralyzed in shock, it's just that they had doubts that if they took a shot at it, it would do much good. And it was that trepidation. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you don't hear too much about people taking shots at these things. Well, um, I think that I, you know, sometimes I fall into the, 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 part of me wants to think that they're, that they, that I'm kind of on the fence of them being able to travel, um, between this dimension and another, mm -hmm. you know, I just think sometimes that, that they're just really, really, really good at camouflaging themselves. Yeah. Well, you said, yeah, you said that, you know, that sighting was up in the Pacific Northwest. Yes. And I, I believe that area in particular is in, have indigenous, yes. uh, have indigenous beings. I think, um, I think those, and you know, different parts of the country and the world, they've all got different types of hairy hominids. I mean, they, you know, had their, they had distinctive, uh, features uh, let's say like the, the skunk apes down in Florida, up into uh, the, around the Gulf Coast. You know, I think those are indigenous for the most part. Uh, Eastern Texas, Arkansas, I think uh, are indigenous. Uh, much of what you see in Canada, mid you know mid Canada, west out in the you know uh, British Columbia. And down into uh, the Pacific Northwest, I definitely believe those are indigenous. But there are other parts of the country, in particularly where I'm at, uh, the East Coast and the Midwest, Upper Midwest, in particular. I, I believe uh, a lot of these may be, for the most part, beings from other dimensions. And why they do that, I don't know. Uh, is there a relationship to? All extraterrestrials or uh, non-terrestrials, possibly. But are there time slips as well? Are there uh, alternate universes crossing? Yes. Very possible. I mean, I, I, I you know, the more evidence, it, it, you know, it does seem like as time goes by and in recent years that the veil is thinning for the most part. And, uh, I think people are seeing and experiencing a lot of this phenomena, not only because it's more prevalent on TV and uh, you know, being written about, people are more open about it. I just believe that there's more opportunity given to people, uh, you know, not just out in the boondock somewhere, but it happens in places closer closer to towns and cities as well. I think it's, uh, you know, I think there's just more out there. Well, you know what? Because I, it's really funny because in the last few years, you know, I always thought of Bigfoot as just one Bigfoot, you know, like there's one Bigfoot, 
you know, and of course, yeah, in Florida, we had the skunk ape, but that was, you know, but now it turns out that there's, there's different versions, you know, the grass man and depending on what, like you said, what part of the country are you in depends on the type, what version of Bigfoot you're going to get, you know, it, you know, size varies, a lot of things vary. Um, and that's like I said, I, I want to. Part of me is like, they're. I think they're, they're better than I think people realize. I think a lot of times people are being observed by them and they have no idea they're not. Oh, I think absolutely. they're so proficient at camouflaging. Um. That they that people just don't realize that they're around. Yeah, I, I believe that. You know, I I know there are particular areas where. Uh, I know they're at, and people just don't realize they're there, and, you know, the evidence is there, but, uh, you know, you just don't see them. They're around. Yeah, they, they, um, but there's a lot of, um, getting, and the thing is that there's also, and I tell everybody, you know, as far as, I don't know if you, did you ever see the, um, that series, it, they, they only ran it for a few seasons, it was called Fringe, and basically it dealt, you know, with the... Yeah, I was the a pretty, idea of a parallel a of fringe, yeah. dimension or parallel universe, and I think that the laws of physics are proving that a lot of what used to be considered before way out science fiction falls more and more into the realm of reality. We might not understand exactly how it would work, but it's not that far out as it once used to be when you talked about things like that. Well, I think there's a lot of things that are that are going on that we just don't know about, too. Um, for whatever reason, it seems governments and uh, other official agencies believe that they ought to uh, protect everybody from knowing what's going on for whatever reason. Uh, I think a lot of this stuff gets uh, suppressed for, yes. for, because of that sometimes. You know, I'm not yes. a conspiracy theorist to the point where I think everything is, it needs to be disclosed. And there's a lot of oh, things sure. out there that we should know and that it will cause worldwide panic. But, you know, I, I'm quite sure there are some things we don't know about. I want to say that I think I think we know a lot depending on, like you said, I do believe that a lot of information has not been given out. Always with the excuse of, oh, we don't want the... We don't want rioting or whatever, you know. People yeah. to go like it's like okay, I understand that part, but I think there's a lot that they don't know, and I think part of it is like that if they ever came out and said, "Well, yes, we've had contact" or whatever, whatever the admission ends up being, of course they're going to get blasted with questions. And I think, despite all they know, sometimes there's going to be the answer we don't know, and I think people are going to wig out with that too. But I think that. Yeah, there's the people that their reality should just, that's it. They're not, they're not going to be good with it. But I think the majority of people, like I tell everybody, I think that most people will like have like a 24-hour little meltdown, have a drink, sit down, think about it, and then go back and say, okay, tell me what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't think that you're going to have riding on the streets or just people like not being able to function. Maybe for the first 24 hours, but then after that, it'll be like, let's hear what you got. Well, you know, I don't, I don't want to get people rattled or kind of perpetuate fear or anything, but I know the powers to be to suppress a lot of this. And in fact, I know it for a fact because 
over the years when I've done this, I've been approached three times by government officials for uh, certain investigations or theories and such. And uh, I know others who have had it had happened to them as well. So, um, you know, it, it, it's never one of those things. Well, you know, you keep your mouth shut. We'll put a bullet in your head. But it's one. It's more like. Yeah. You know, a general reminder that, you know, we'd like you not to do so-and-so or associate with so-and-so. Right. And I, I know in one instance it was because for my protection because of somebody who they felt was causing a problem that may expand into more problems. But, uh, yeah, they do keep their eye out. I mean, they, they realize what's going on. Of course, when... With me being on the blog every day and doing shows like this and everything else and writing, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I got a big eye on me sometimes. So, uh, right, it's, and, that, um, and you know you what? You think about that, and it's yeah, I'm laughing. You know why, Lon? Because when you look at you remember when the X Files first came out in the '90s, mm -hmm. where it was oh man, what a great show, you know, and it was like that big. Big Brother was really had was supervising everything and a lot of people thought man what a great show that's and people I don't think realized just how accurate that is or that was those shows when they were coming out as yeah as it's uh, you know it's one it's funny I and I, I thought for years that maybe the government or the entertainment world was trying to spoon feed us as far as uh, yeah what's really going on, like in search of and uh, I that shows show. like that and X-Files and such. And then, of course, the day we get you know, Monsters and Mysteries in America and mm -hmm. Paranormal this and that. And you, you do wonder sometimes how much uh, those powers to be are involved with that. I don't think to an extent that people, some people may think they are, but I, I think in, in, uh, big entertainment when like movies and such i think there's some some input there yeah um I think so but uh you know it, it, you know entertainment is all well and good uh sometimes it'll kind of take you to a level that is just unbelievably not going to happen <laughs> but you know well, in my in my case you you do occasionally fall down the rabbit hole and well, uh you know we go from there the thing is this that sometimes it's almost like like what you said let's give you the plain truth but we'll dress it up sometimes with stuff that's so outlandish that you think the whole thing is outlandish oh yeah so you know it's like yeah man that was a great movie fantasy and it's like yeah but you know what part of it is actually true we just kind of dressed it up a lot so it's really unbelievable yeah and we're letting I think you that's know true. about it yeah i think that's true you know, part of whether you want to think of acclimating people, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, there's a, and sometimes it's really surprising because, and the reason why I had bought, you know, that, um, that sometimes, you know, a lot of the conspiracy theories that surround this are people that have come out after many, many years of working in some, you know, department for the government. And either one, whether retired and or close to dying, like, well, what are you going to do to me now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And if you, you say, know, well, you it was one person, wonder... but a lot of them have done that. 
yeah, you sometimes wonder how much of that is really um, factual. Uh, you, you wonder, well, maybe somebody just wants to have a legacy, yeah. and they'll come out and say something, and then it's, it's there for posterity. Uh, you know, I, I usually take all that with a grain of salt. Uh, when I when I do my work, you know, I want it to be based on. My, I mean, I want the conclusions I come up with to base, be based on my research. Sure. Uh, of course, you know, I I, I look into what, what other people do, and uh, you know, I, I take it in consideration as well. But uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where you do have to have an open mind. You know, it's funny. I tell I tell the people who will call me to come and help them or to do a remote work with them. Right. The first thing I tell them is, is, look, the only thing I require you to do is to be open-minded. You may think that some of what I'm telling you sounds crazy, but when I tell you this and when I ask you to do something, it needs to be done. And... Uh, I'm not going to tell you something that I don't believe in. You know, you're, you know, right. you've got to be open-minded about it and uh, consider, consider what I'm telling you. And you know, and that's the caveat every time I work with someone. Exactly, because and it's surprising. I'm sure even when you have people that are having weird stuff happening to them, but then you ask them to do certain things, and then they balk at it, and it's like, wait a minute you've got some really weird stuff going on and you're still questioning especially yeah. somebody that's got experience in this like when you ask them to do or not do certain things yeah, it happens yes it happens you know and uh, you know i guess people's uh people are predisposed to uh to not believing in something they can't see or something they've been told all their life isn't real but um you know, you got you do have to keep an open mind, and uh, if, if something like that is happening to you, you know, I, I would think that you'd start considering the possibilities. Of course, of course, that's what it's all about, and I think that a lot of people like yourself usually get that call at the eleventh hour when they've mm -hmm. exhausted all other possibilities. And let me ask you, have you run across people that once you really start to talk to them, they kind of fess up that they've been having experiences for years <laughs> and they've done either one of two things. If it wasn't severe enough, they ignored it. And if it really got that bad, they would just move. And it's like, you've been dragging this along with you for how long? You know, and they still kind yeah, of in denial I, about it. I rarely get calls on activity that or uh, fleeting or something that just started. Mm -hmm. it's, it's usually it's usually activity that's been going on for a good deal of time. And after they've called in other people or, um, you know, or just dealt with it to a point where they couldn't take it anymore. Hey, I, um, I tell you, and that's one thing that upsets me more than anything else, are these paranormal wannabes that, just want to go out in the graveyard and start taking EVPs. Yeah. And right. <laughs> some, something grabs onto them and they bring it home. Yes, sir. And then, all, then all hell breaks loose. And, uh, you know, I t you know I, it's funny. I'll tell people about that, about 
cases where I've run into that, and they'll just think I'm absolutely crazy. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You know, and I, I've, I've told other people that do this type, you know, that are par- so-called paranormal researchers or investigators who just love to go out into the graveyard to go out there and look at the gravestones and, you know, start yelling out the spirits and trying to get EVPs recorded. Or God forbid, provoking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're uh, you're opening up a whole new can of worms because... Uh, you just never know what you're going to run into out there. I mean, people talk about haunted graveyards. Well, you know, there's some badass entities out there. Uh-huh. And uh, they have no qualms about attaching themselves to you. Yep. Absolutely. I tell everybody, I said, you're lucky if you walk out with a human entity because if you've... There's some graveyards that have what they call sentinel spirits that are non-human. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you get the attention of one of those, oh crap! <laughs> Good luck to you. <laughs> I have, you know, I have problem going to funerals. It's not because of. Oh, uh, no, 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 no! It, it, it. I think it has a lot to do with the intent, and a lot of these sentinels that sometimes are placed or invoked, or, I mean, it could have been anything summoned if you want to. Uh, they're basically there, almost as. In other words, they don't have a moral compass like we do. Good, bad, mm-hmm. evil, you know. They just, they, yeah. you know, if you're trying to relate to them like as a, another human being, it's not going to work. That's why you're in so much trouble if one of them attaches to you. But, yeah, you know, you're not, you're not doing anything wrong. You're not going to have a problem. It's when you start doing stupid stuff. Well, you know, in my case, it's it's like, um, you know, I, I, now it's not usually not bad in, in a funeral home itself, but it's when you go out to the cemetery and uh, you're getting bombarded by these energies because it's not that I can see these things, but you get these, what I call, astrals. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're trying to get your attention no matter what's going on. Yes. And, uh, you know, I've been been to quite a bit of funerals the last couple of years, and it seems like every time... I'm out there in the, in the cemetery because I very rarely go to a cemetery other than a ceremony, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it is it's tough sometimes. It really is. Uh, it's distracting, and uh, you know I, I protect myself the best I can, just hoping nothing's going to attach to me. But uh, they do, they are drawn to you. Oh yes, yes they are, and um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you for instance uh, and a lot and. Like one time, uh, <clears throat> I remember, I had a dream, and it was like, and it was a real short dream, but very not weird in the sense of, and it was like, I was like in one of these modern grave, yeah, graveyards, like, and there was a bunch of people like walking around, which later on I realized were dead people, nobody paying mm-hmm. attention to the other, and I had this one guy come up to me, he goes, oh, we, hey, you know, when you come out here and I was like what is this about okay it was like a really short dream but very vivid I don't want to I can't remember if it was the next day or the day after that I had a friend of mine call me up and ask me if I would accompany him to a burial in other words I had no idea that wigged me out it was like what in other words they know ahead of time that I had there was no, I had no inkling whatsoever at the time that I had that dream 
that within 24, 48 hours, I can't remember, I would be going to the graveyard for, you know, to be with a person that needed to attend a burial. I was like, mm -hmm. okay. So sometimes they reach out to people in a lot of different ways. But I think as far as negative stuff, and a lot of people say, well, you know what? what, it, what why would there be ghosts in a cemetery? And I go, because sometimes if you have a discarnate spirit that is kind of confused, they follow their body around. Where's the last place it went to? In this, let's say, one of these cases, it gets buried. So they hang out at the cemetery like, okay, now what? What do I do? You know, and that's another whole conversation as to why they're not, you know, going on with where they're supposed to go, whether they're confused, they don't know they're dead, they're scared they're going to burn in hell, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, could be a million reasons. And a lot of them, believe it or not, just hang out in the cemetery and, you know, and then you get a lot of other things that uh, people don't realize also that a lot of people uh, use cemeteries to either dump ceremonial objects mm -hmm. or summon which have involve dead spirits I mean well no, obviously well, it's dead but what I'm saying spirits that they've used in the ceremonies or the rituals in other words they don't want this thing at their house so they dump this stuff in or around uh, cemeteries a lot of times in if you look especially in the perimeters or in the corners of the cemetery uh, so you get a lot of stuff out there that is not necessarily anybody that was buried there. It's just because it's a lot of the, whether it's the dirt or in some cases bones, uh, are very useful in a lot of, uh, depending on what type of magic you're practicing in some type of ritual work. And they dump a lot of the, the, the tools or whatever it is after the fact in there. So, and then like you said, you go in there and you're like, oh, I'm going to get myself some evidence. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get that a lot more, too. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get more than you expect. Uh, you, you know, these uh, these energies that hang around cemeteries where their, where their bodies were buried at are normally earthbounds that just don't even realize they're dead. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they can cause the most problems. You know, when you get one, when you get some uh, an earthbound in a home or a residence, where you know that where it's it's got that intelligence enough to to think that it's it's not dead, and they're yeah. confused, and you know that's where you're gonna get most of your problems at. And uh, you know, of course, when when somebody in life is bad or or they've got issues. Uh, you know, they're the same when they pass. I mean, sure. you know, that life force moves on, yes. but there's still a residual left there. And, um, you know, like I was saying, if, you know, if this happens in, in, in a, in a cemetery or someplace where bodies are buried or even disposed of, I've heard of crematories yes. that have had so many problems. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's it's gonna if you go in there looking for problems, I mean, or looking for something, you're gonna find something. And uh, yeah, I think some of the the worst hauntings that I have not only been experienced, you know, have worked with, but I have talked to people. You know, when you start digging into it and you, and you start figuring out what happened, it's a result of somebody going 
into some place where they really shouldn't be starting, you know, asking for EVPs and such, and you know they get attached. So, um, you right. know, you, you put the warning out there, but it, you know, people invariably are going to do it anyway. So, well, I think that, um, and it's like, thank you, reality shows, even though they, of course. Uh, they give a lot of disclaimers, don't do this, don't do that. There's always the people that are going to go, well, we're going to go out there and we're going to... And it's like, yeah, okay. And you know what? You might go out there and think it's really boring and nothing happens until a couple of days later at your house and stuff starts happening. And sometimes it takes them a while and then when you go back to point of origin was that visit to the cemetery or whatever. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's you, like, you know, when all these shows started coming on television, you know, I... I was hooked on too because it was something new and and I was it was it was something that I did. But when you start watching that stuff and start really digging in and start realizing what's really going on, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize. You know, you go to a house for an investigation, you're not always going to see or hear or experience exactly. activity. You know, it's not like it is on television, but. You know, I, I'm almost at the point now where I, I just don't even watch those shows anymore. There are maybe just one show I will watch, and that'll be it. And, uh, you know, it's, um, I, you know, I, I know if in the, in overall it's not a bad thing, you know, just like the shows that uh, talk about cryptids, Bigfoot, and whatever, or some of the other strange things that happen. I think it's opened people's uh, thoughts to these things that may possibly be there, and it has helped in our research to a degree. But I think some of the um, some of the information that's given out in those type of shows isn't always that good. No, and it can turn out to be problems. You know, look, I've been involved with TV shows myself, so you know, I understand it. It's oh, all no, about entertainment. Yeah. So you know, you know, the usually the good stuff that's supposed to be in there doesn't get put in, gets cut out. Um, I'm possibly going to be involved in a, a TV series in the near future, and you know, so you know, I know how all that is. You know, it's just, uh, I guess you got to take the good and the bad and yeah. go with it. But yeah, it, it, it's not like it seems on TV. Believe me. Exactly. But that's the thing that um, some some of the things people, I think the problem comes in when people take everything as like, I'm going to go and do it. And it's yeah. like, you know what? It might sound like it's like really great fun, but spiritually speaking, sometimes you do run a really big risk if you don't know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's uh, just like anything else in life. There's always a risk to it. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it's just how prepared you are and how much you're willing to put into it uh, for what you want to get out of it. And, um, yeah, you but, know, it, I, I've had people I've had people literally come to my house who want to start some type of paranormal group. And they'll come in here. And we'll talk about it, and I'll tell them, to, you know, what I think the dangers are and this and that. And I know of at least three of those groups that just never got off the ground because they were afraid to go in the place. 
Yeah. They just never happened. You know, I, I, it's not like I wanted to talk them out of it, but I just wanted to be make them aware of what the problems they could face. And, uh, you know, their responsibility when they go into somebody's house, their responsibility towards the homeowner and yes. the responsibility towards the spirits. Yes. You know, you just don't go and start screaming and, and threatening entities because mm-hmm. uh, that's when that's when hell can really break loose. Exactly. And that and I think that you make a very good point that a lot of groups sometimes because I tell them if most groups, if they get together by year one or two, the most, that's it. They've dissolved. They've things. Everybody is that if you tell somebody, especially well, it depends also on their level of knowledge, but. If you tell somebody, well, you wanted to start either one, the advice I've given is find a good, solid group to join and figure out if you like it. You might not like it. You might think it's boring. Or if, let's say, you're ready to go on and start a group, that you give somebody basically, well, you know what? Before you start a group, you need to study more. As in study, as in, like, get more informed. Mm-hmm. Whether it's protection, whether it's... Um, what if you go out to somebody's house and you've got somebody that's mentally ill? <laughs> it happens, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, it does happen. Like yeah. where you need to like back out very graciously and go, okay, if there's anything going on in there or not, well, guess what? My safety, the safety of my team is paramount and this person is doesn't have all oars in the water. You know, there's a lot of things that people don't realize are involved in when you, when you, uh, when you either part leader or put together a paranormal team, you know, uh, and then some of them they find out after the fact, and usually, you know, that's when they run into a lot of problems of just regular stuff, regular stuff, you know, as far as uh, either spiritually they 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 have what what would they call it beginner's luck. They go out there and they run into something really dark and malevolent <laughs> right yeah. out the gate, and then what do you do? Yeah. yeah, you know, um, I always suggest that you know when, when you start a group up to have at least one member who's got some real experience. Yes. And has some intuitive or psychic ability. Yes. And uh, if, if somebody can't be with you all the time, then have somebody you can refer to in case you run into a situation where it's going to you've either got questions that need answered. Or that there's gonna need that the client is gonna need actual help to have it removed because there's just too many times when a yes. paranormal group will go into a home, bring the cameras out, the uh, the recording equipment and everything else, gather evidence and leave and leave the owner hanging, and yes. uh, you know that that probably upsets me more than anything. Yes. Uh, I've had so many people who have had that have had experiences like that where they believe that these groups are going to, you know, they give them a good story and say we're going to do this and that. And all they're there is to gather evidence so they can put it up on the blog somewhere. And then, uh, you know, and because of their actions, things get, start getting worse. And yes. it's almost like a vicious cycle, and it just steadily picks up and picks up. And, uh, you know, that's where, you know, when these hauntings get really bad, and that's when if it, it's a situation where it just knocks and stuff, or 
light phenomena going on, yes. uh, that's when it tends to increase to the point where there are attachments, oppression, and sometimes actual possession. So, um, right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, it's it's nice to go out and gather evidence, but, but yeah. you know, have an objective with it as well. Right. Exactly. It's like sometimes you always have to think it's not that common but what if you do run around across something very very serious and then what do you do like you said you need at least somebody there that at the very least can tell them hey you know what this might be this and we're gonna get the get you the help that you need because we don't think that we're equipped to handle it which by the way there's nothing wrong with that if you're no. a paranormal group admitting no. that you might be out of your depth in something instead of going in there and running around and making it 10 times worse by the time you leave. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen, like I said, I've seen it happen. Um, you know, the worst case scenario is when you get called into a situation or say a group will get called into a situation involving a shadow figure cool. or uh, an entity that is, is just not going to leave unless mm -hmm. you know, the, the, uh, the underlying cause of it is taken care of. Uh, you know, these shadow these shadow beings are almost like, you know, one of them will walk down the street and they're going by house by house and they pick the one where the most dysfunction or there are, there yes. are problems or somebody's deathly ill or something. And it's almost like a magnet and they go right in there. And when they do get there, they're there for one reason, and that's to gather energy from whoever yes. or whatever is there. And mm -hmm. these are killers. Yeah. These entities are killers. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people talk about when I wake up and I see the shadows staying by the bed, what is that? Well, that's something you don't want there. So, you know, if you're going to call somebody in there, you better call somebody in there and give you the facts. Not that they necessarily can get rid of it, but they can tell you how to get rid of it and give you the, the right direction that you right. need. Uh, calling a bunch of ghost hunters in there ain't going to do it. And you know what? My, and I've mentioned this before. On um, In my experience, again, people, whether it's because of the shows or movies or whatever, sometimes they think that, let's say they get a paranormal group that goes in there and it's a clap of thunder, poop, whatever it is, it's gone. But mm -hmm. in my experience, there's always like a, something left over where that family or whoever lives there have got to do consistently for maybe weeks, months, maybe even a year, depending on what was there. Some type of whether it's putting uh, holy water in their house or salting their, their grounds or, in other words, there's something that they have to do on their own once that person was there that did the hard work to keep it clear because it's almost like there's always like that leftover residual stuff especially if there was any type of dysfunction or just problems in the household where people have to keep making sure that things stay clear mm -hmm. like you said <clears throat> exactly that example that you used of the shadow person is like okay let me go and the attraction is to where am I going to find not a one day you know human thing but a systematic 
or long drawn out dysfunction, ugly things, abuse, God knows, within a household, yeah, that's the place I want to be. And of course, once they're in there, then everything just triples over as far as fury and darkness. And then that's, you know, when you have people starting, you know, have their sightings or that they'll even realize themselves, man, things were bad, but all of a sudden it really, really got bad after this. And it was mm -hmm. like, yeah, because you were getting a little bit of extra help. Yeah, it's um, those type of entities. I mean, even poltergeist. I mean, you know, poltergeist aren't these malevolent entities that are there for you know just because they're there. I mean, they're these are manifested by someone, a living person who's who is actually subconsciously doing this. Right. And um, you know, these things just don't go away on their own. You can bring anybody you want in there to try to move it out, but it, it always comes down to the person who's doing the actual manifestation and they've got to be drawn down to the point where they realize what they're doing why it's happening and to stop whatever it is they are doing from uh, from causing it and um, you know the, those type of cases are and, and they're very similar in a way to the shadow person because when when you uh, alleviate what's feeding it uh, or what's manifesting it, it's uh, that's the only way you can get rid of it. And um, exactly. Yeah, you know, a lot of people just don't realize. You know, that's another thing I hate hearing. talking about poltergeist, poltergeist this, poltergeist that. Well, I mean, you know, it's just not something that's stealing your keys or knocking on the door or or moving chairs around. It's uh, it, it's entirely different. And uh, you know, you know. Like again, here's Hollywood, kind of putting the, uh, putting the the uh, the moniker out there that everybody uses, and um, I mean these are specific phenomena that got to be dealt with in specific manners, and uh, you know that that's why it pays to have someone who has a little knowledge of what's going on, and just not coming in there to gather evidence. Yes, and I've mentioned that before. I go, I say it goes both ways. I tell people if you're having a problem like that, and you're you're coming down to the conclusion that you think you need a paranormal team to come in there and tell you, first of all, if you're on the money or if it's something else, do your research. Don't do your research because basically you're opening up your doors to strangers. Mm -hmm. And first of all, you want somebody that's going to be trustworthy that you let them in their front door. That's to begin with. And then, you know, hopefully that they know what they're doing. I said, the first thing you look at is how long have they been together? And, you know, uh, when you speak to that person, I say, if you know, have you ever talk to a team member and they just don't give you the right vibes, go on and look for somebody else. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, I, I think about where you live at and all the crazy things that happen down in your area, you know, like Santeria in, in particular. Oh, yes. I mean, I don't know how much of that you run across, but, uh, you know, now I've never been involved with, a, with one of those cases, and uh, I, I don't know if I really want to be, to be honest with you, but I, I can imagine what's involved with doing that. Uh, you know, can you kind of explain to me what, what you would encounter when you got into one of those cases where they've got 
these uh, these altars and such. Right. Well, and this is the thing, you know, a lot of times um, these religions, they work a lot, a lot with discarnate spirits, mm -hmm. either for purposes of divination or in the case of like what you described before putting a curse on somebody the curse is not a curse as and we think is like oh i hope a piano falls on your head the curse right. is to send over our discarnate spirit and start getting haunted by this spirit who basically they manipulate or they've found um you know and a lot of people um you know everybody's familiar with you know that they sacrifice animals starting with a chicken goat whatever all the way uh -huh. and personally you know and again you know freedom of religion everybody practice i my own experience and what i've seen anything any ceremony where you have to shed blood yeah, it's not good yeah because normally any type of spirit okay that requires or wants blood even if it's an animal and they do a lot of work with um let's say that you think that you were hexed an example or bad luck or bad health or whatever whatever it doesn't even have to be something that somebody did to you just where basically they use let's say a chicken to cleanse you okay and if you say well you know they they did something with a chicken and then hey chicken like in other words the chicken becomes a scapegoat kind of deal mm -hmm. the chicken goat but the thing is the chicken is killed the chicken is sacrificed and the more severe the problem is, then then that's when, uh, or a dove, then that's when your, you know, your your animal goes up. <laughs> it's like, then all of a sudden you're no that like hey, that problem's really big. The chicken ain't gonna cut it. And I hate to say it, but you go to the majority of cemeteries, not all of them, but a good portion of them. And uh, if you look in the perimeters, you will find sometimes. Um, parts of dead animals yeah you know yeah yeah and uh that that acts that adds an extra weird layer but if it, it eventually it falls into the same premise of whether you're talking human entities or non-human you know you're going to treat them the same you know right, right it's just a different way of invoking them or summoning them or using them whatever the case might be yeah i've seen a lot of crazy stuff yeah, I bet you have. I, I, you know, I've, um, you know, when I do a session for people, I, you know, I will occasionally involve uh, divination or possibly some root conjuring. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've learned a lot of that over the years. And, you know, you know, use a lot of incense, you burn a lot of herbs, you do a lot of this, you do a lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of different ways of doing these things. I, it all comes down to belief for the most part, uh, and I'm pretty sure that has a lot to do with what you have run across with Santeria. But when it comes down to sacrifice, eh, that's a different animal. Well, there, you know? and this is the thing, you know, because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of psychics that will tell you they have a control. I, I know that that term's not used that often anymore, but a lot of the mediums will say that they had a control on the other side which was usually a spirit that would basically act like as a gatekeeper, especially if they were channeling. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, what I'm talking about is where they'll be, because I've seen it, they've done it in front of me, where they will get possessed. Unusually. I mean, I've seen that <laughs> happen. 
Yeah. They will get possessed. In other words, when they're doing the divination, they are the one that's doing the divination is not the person you went to see. According to them, they've been possessed by this spirit, which is the spirit that basically aids them in divination. It's not like the spirit's whispering in their ear about it. Okay. It's that they've mm -hmm. allowed possession in order to have that ability to... I mean, I don't have... Personally, I don't have any problem at all with divination. I think that at some point, a lot of us, you know, when we were more attentive to our intuition, we were, mm -hmm. we were pretty good at it. I think my problem personally is when you allow an entity to consistently take you over in order for you to do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, because nine times out of ten, this spirit is not a, an evolved spirit. This is sometimes a bound spirit. And there's a lot of dark aspects. I mean, uh, things that have happened, uh, you know, the sacrifices of people that have found sites deep in the woods out here, you know, of a lot of animal sacrifice. And we're talking here really 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 dark 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 stuff really dark stuff and by the way if you know if you really wanted to do somebody in like on a on a dark magic you know you would pay you would go to one of these priests who works the dark magic it's really expensive too but of course mm -hmm. you're paying for hey i either one want this guy to fall off a building or two i want to ruin him financially or i want to like make his personal life just fall apart stuff like Dang. that you're going to pay thousands of dollars for and you'd be surprised yeah. that people actually work over that money to have that type of work done <laughs> yeah so yeah you have you yeah. do have repercussions as a matter of fact uh well less than a year ago i went on an investigation and i went in on the second part of it and uh this lady she was renting a very nice house a lot of land she was renting it basically what we came up to, she was having a lot of experiences in the house whatever but basically the origin of it we determined was that whoever owned or had owned the house had had a curse placed on the land somebody had buried something in their yard how's that yeah in other words the person wanted to get at the owner of the property and had buried something in their yard that was really maleficent and I said, it's not really directed at you, but because you live here, you are suffering the effects of it. At the end of the day, we kind of gave her the advice and we said, look, since you don't own the place, if our best advice to you would be once your lease is up, move, <laughs> go move. And about three or four months later, not even something, I, I know her lease was coming up. I got a call from one of the other investigators that she had tagged. She goes, hey, you know, she wants to know if you can go back out because um, she renewed her lease and something had happened with one of her kids. Her house had gotten broken into. She had these beautiful antiques, but nobody would know. It was really unusual stuff. And I was like, what am I going to tell? We told her, you know, something here is happening with the land. And as long as you live there, even if it's not at you, you're going to suffer the consequences of it. So sometimes people, you know, they put themselves in the fixes and even when they have the chance to extricate themselves out of it. But yeah, stuff like mm -hmm. that here is more common than you think. And by the way, 
these people were Australian. Mm. <laughs> they had a the ones that were the family that was living there. Um, they had been living in South Florida for a while, but they were Australian, and they had they were like, huh? And I told them, yeah, this is what's going on. They were kind of a little bit familiar with it, but I think they really truly did not. I mean, they understood the experiences they were having. They knew that was real, but they weren't quite sure about the explanation that was given to them. And, hmm. um, yep. And I said, um, there's no way for nobody to fix that. We already told this person, this is what you need to do. It's ultimately their choice, you know. Right. Mm. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things that go on here. Yeah. You know, I, I had... Um I had one case that was really weird like that where it was the land itself, but it was because somebody who had lived there before had upset somebody or whatever. I, I, we never did really figure out exactly what was going on. But anyway, this woman in Connecticut had contacted, contacted me and another person I was working with who lived up there. And uh, she was having all kinds of crazy things going on in the house. But it was spilling out into the yard, and there was an area, there was a creek down below on the other side of the road. It was, people were seeing all kinds of stuff out there as well. Well, anyway, uh, we did some sessions. We did some uh, RV sessions, and I kept getting this sense that something was in the yard. Didn't know what it was. I, you know, I didn't know what, you know, it was out in the boonies. I didn't know if uh, somebody had cursed the yard or whatever it was. Well, anyway, hoping that whatever somebody had buried in the yard was metal. So had somebody take uh, metal detectors out there. And lo and behold, they pulled up four pesos buried in each corner of the yard of the property that somebody had buried there, most likely cursed. Really? We pulled, yeah, we took them out, uh, disposed of them, and uh, you know the problem. Actually, the problem stopped right away. So I, I don't know exactly what had wives cursed or who had done whatever there, but uh, that's probably the only case that I've been involved with where you know it involved that or a talisman or something being buried on a property. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you know, this these kind of things do happen. Yeah. So um Yeah, this is um I, you know, anybody that becomes familiar with ritual or magical work or anything like that or anybody that's into cursing or hexing or blah blah blah. You know, a lot of people think that sometimes it's like something very obvious, you know, like Yeah, and a lot of times they they do but basically is the hidden, which is where they do, they basically go at you through the land where you live at. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it slowly works its way into your life as in, if that's the intent, in other words. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of times that thing of burying whatever it was, that ritual item, mm -hmm. is that it's the slow dismantling of this person. It's almost the equivalent of... Hey, I don't want to shoot you and get it over with real quick. I want to see you suffer. <laughs> That's how I'm going to enjoy, you know, when people get this weird, crazy stuff that they want to get it back at somebody for whatever reason. You know, they want to do the long, drawn-out suffering deal. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of – that's what the people got to be careful. And, and I'm sure you run across it where 
people even um, whatever it is is not really part of the house. It's the land itself where the problem yeah. originates in. So, well, you know, I've always thought that what goes around comes around. And, yes. you know, when you start playing with stuff like that and you start putting curses out, it, it's going to come back to you as well. And, you know, just like in you were talking about channeling, you know, I I've always been afraid of channeling. I, I've never really wanted to be involved with anything like that. But I was involved with a case. Now, you know, this was a remote case, but we were doing it online with, and, you know, we had cameras and stuff set up, so I, I could see on my computer what was going on. So okay. the person I was working with, this happened in uh, a town by the name of Kenefli in southern Wales. Okay. And uh, this person started channeling in the living room of this home and i don't know i don't know she knew what she was getting herself into but after she was done i mean she was literally possessed yeah you and know. she was talking all this language and uh -huh. i mean it wasn't her voice or anything i mean i had never been involved with anything like that before and i'm quite sure i'm never going to get involved with anything <laughs> like again <laughs> But, um, you know, I, from what I understand, she didn't work on a property for a couple of years after that. It, it affected yes. her that bad. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm not thrilled about channeling. You yeah, know, I know some people can do it. Uh, you know, I've heard a, a, a fair number of psychics that talk about being jumped. Yes. And all the problems it causes when that happens. I mean, it's the same thing as far as I'm concerned. Though, you know, in channeling, you're just letting it happen to you. And um, yes. I don't see where there is a control there. It, it, you know, it can, you know, you, you said that well, these you channelers know, have somebody some, on the other um, side. Yeah. It, it, and even then, the, this is the thing. The, supposedly... The control is like the gatekeeper. In other words, they would not let a spirit through that wanted to do what you described, which is, right. oh, I've got a body. I'm not leaving. Thanks. You yeah. know, in other words, they would only let a spirit through. But again, whenever you are dealing with a discarnate that would love nothing better than to have a human body and have what they would, which is what they want the most, but that they don't have anymore. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're stuff aware, but they don't got exactly. no human body to go with it. Let me tell you something. That is something really difficult to leave. And that's where a lot of sometimes the, the mediums, they run into big, huge problems because yeah. that spirit wants in. And then um, a lot of people don't realize that sometimes there's different levels. You know, everybody thinks of possession as possession. And there's a lot of layers of, of uh, attachments. And you could have uh, either obsession or oppression, which is not outright possession, but where they flip in and out. Uh, and that's where you have people sometimes that will, especially if, you know, if they either drink too much or, you know, or they do drugs or not all the time, but sometimes where they'll tell you, I did this and I don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oppression, oppression cases in, as far as I'm concerned, are probably some of the hardest ones to, to take to deal with because, uh, it, it, it is, it's, it's almost like it's flighty. I mean, this thing, you'll be fine one minute and the next minute it's like, you know, it's crazy. And uh, you, yes. you really, it's hard to get a, a read on an oppression. 
Yes. These entities, they, you know, mm -hmm. they seem to, uh, and it's usually more than one entity. Yes, of from course. What I found. Yes. And they're moving around everywhere, and it's hard to get a read on, hard to, you know, to do much with it. It requires mm -hmm. a lot of work by the person who's actually oppressed. And a lot of times, um, you know, I don't want to say the impression that the person is weak-minded for the most part, but it does seem to happen to a lot of people who um, who have no grasp of what's really happening. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they just make the perfect foil. And, yes. um, yeah, yeah, they're tough. They are really tough. Yeah. Well, well this is, and, um, you know, because I, you know, my hypnotherapy practice, I, I dealt with a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tell everybody, if you got that attachment with through either physical or emotional trauma, the earlier in life you form that attachment, the more difficult it is for you to realize that it's not you, part of you. Mm -hmm. In other words, mm -hmm. it's, you know, sometimes if it's later in life, you do, you kind of recognize what's going on. You know, either are these thoughts or whatever. I, that's not me. You know, something's going on. <laughs> Wait. But usually, if you're very young when it happens, as a child especially, you have a really, really tough time realizing that that is not you and some of your behavior. And by the way, this is not an excuse for people that do stupid stuff or stuff that they shouldn't. But yeah, sometimes, um, and this is, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, all attachments are negative. Some start out as negative because what attached to you was negative, but sometimes if you get an attachment from even uh, a relative or somebody that's known in other words that wasn't necessarily a bad person eventually it will because there's nothing worse than you have a human soul trapped boy I'm telling you the aura of another person that eventually wants out okay or they want you to they want you to do things their way <laughs> or whatever I had a particular case like that uh, oh my god it was a, a woman up in um, uh, Prince Edward Island uh -huh. she lived in Charlottetown or Charlottesville Charlottetown and uh, make a long story short she was actually uh, oppressed by her dead father yes and yes. he was a nice guy in life mm -hmm. though he it later turned out that he was uh molesting the daughter and we didn't even really know about that at first they go yep i've and, come across uh, that so when, many times it's incredible and yes. when he passed away he latched on to her mm -hmm. and man this energy just went rotten yes and i was attacked frankly mm -hmm. i i had bruised ribs yeah and my, i i'm mm -hmm. you know i'm 1500 miles away and i've got bruised ribs because of this thing Yes. Uh, the person I was working with had to take me out of the situation during the remote views. Okay. She was the monitor and had to pull me out of that quickly. Okay. Uh, to, to keep me from getting hurt any worse than I was. It was a really tough case. Uh, and eventually we were able to work it to the point where we could get her, um, you know, her strong enough to help fend this thing off. And then, you know, it eventually faded off but uh yeah that was a crazy case and you're right when when you're talking about a relative actually well, oppressing or possessing a living human i mean those get really really rough sometimes well sometimes you have something called nesting 
mm-hmm. okay, which is if he had something that he carried with him mm-hmm. in life when he died, he still got the, that entity nesting within him, whether it's hu- another human being or a non-human being, maybe that caused him to do what he did when he was alive. So basically, like I say, you got two for the price of one. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's when you go in there and all of a sudden what you're describing happens to you. You're like, man, what, what the hell happened here? Mm-hmm. What? And it's because basically you might be dealing with what you think may be one entity and it might be one entity with its own, own attachment that it had while it was alive and still carries it with it. And it's almost like yeah. a layered kind of thing which might have caused him a lot of problems and things that he did when he was alive. And then, you know, it perpetuates itself. Well, you know, it it actually took us to the point where right before I got attacked, when I realized it was actually him. I mean, I I didn't even know it was the father. You know, uh, until I was actually being attacked. And I realized that's who it was. And then after that happened and we started dealing with her a little more, mm-hmm. we, we realized that she had been molested when she was younger. And he felt like, he basically felt like he owned her. And, um, yeah, that's what... And uh, let me ask you something, but this happened when he, after he died. How old was she when she had, when he passed away? Was she already an adult or was she still a kid? No, she was a teenager. Okay. And uh, so. this happened maybe um, 10 years after he had passed away. Okay. I, I, I believe there had been I, that he had been hanging around. I mean, he was an earthbound. He had been hanging around for a while. Oh, and absolutely. Uh, you know, I, you know, it's another one of those cases where stuff was going on that she didn't really realize what it was. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But he was he was actually attacking her at night yes. in bed. I mean, I mean, even with her boyfriend there with her. Oh, I, I imagine that was, would have probably been like. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we were, you know, we, of course, if she had come clean in the beginning and told us what had happened when she was younger, we could have probably figured it out and probably dealt with it a little better. But unfortunately, when we were getting involved with the case, this thing was getting upset and getting stronger. And uh, it got to the point where it, it really became dangerous at the end. Yes, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Yes, that is. You know, it was like, uh, you know, physical possession in another sense. You know, you, you can't possess that person in life because you don't have a body to do it. Maybe at what he did, you know, when she was a child. But this is the next best thing, which is, yeah, you know what? I I'm probably if you wouldn't have intervened, she would probably had would have had a lifetime of either ruined relationships or God knows what else. Most likely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting how it's interesting how an energy like that can uh, increase in death to the point where it just, I mean, comes out of control like that. And uh, especially somebody who's related to the person, Um, you know, it's people, people don't don't do this. It's I guess it's really hard for them to understand. You know, it's hard for me to understand sometimes. But, uh, you know, Oh, there, there, and there's another thing. You know, we were talking about possessions, but even like possessed objects. Okay. Oh, you know, I was talking about divination, and you know, I don't mind divination, but when it comes to Ouija boards or spirit boards, that's another animal. And uh, I, I have never liked those things. I had an experience when I was younger, 
and I saw something that I can't explain. And uh, that's the one thing for whatever reason. Those those objects seem to hold spirit energy more so than most others. And, uh, you know, I, I, I told people before that, you know, look, if you're going to do a Ouija board, fine, but learn how to clean that thing when you're done. Sure. You know, or you close know, down whatever. Like whatever. Anything, close, close it out. Close and, it out. Uh, yeah. you know, when it sits there and festers and you throw the thing under the bed, you're going <laughs> to, you're eventually going to have a problem. Well, I think that whenever I, I interviewed this this guy Ed Becker. He wrote this really interesting book. He he had a as a matter of fact he had an exorcism of his house done back in the seventies, which they televised. But anyway, I interviewed him. He's a great guy, and he was telling me we're talking about the same subject about you know um, you know uh, Ouija board and all this. And he goes, "What do you think happens if you throw?" A cell phone in the big in the prison yard. Who do you think is gonna reach that phone before everybody else? It's usually the biggest, baddest prisoner in there. Right. So that's why people. And I thought that's such a great way of looking at it, as to this is what happens a lot of time when people start doing the Ouija board or where you know where they start trying to do you know spirit contact. And if you don't know what you're doing, guess who's gonna show up? Yeah, the biggest worst guy that got that phone and said, "Okay, but let me not." scare these people so I'll either pretend I'm a little kid or let's see these are teenage girls I'll pretend I'm a teenage guy uh-huh and then mm. you know it takes off from there <laughs> it's unfortunate but yes yep that's the one time that you're basically saying I am I want to communicate with the spirit world I you know and sometimes people like they do weird shit and then it's like yeah guess what that, <laughs> you're invoking something yeah, it's um. Yeah, yeah I don't like know what them. you're doing, I, but it's working. I, I I just don't like them. You know, I was at a uh, I was at a conference one year back. Oh, it was 2013, and my friend uh, Sean was with me, and uh, you know we were at our table, we were talking to people and stuff, and this guy beside us was he sold old Ouija boards. Wow. So. He pulls out all these Ouija boards. I mean, these old Ouija boards, homemade Ouija boards made out of wood and stuff. And he's sitting these things is right beside me. And I swear, I I literally had to get up and move because the energy coming off those things I can imagine. was just driving me nuts. And those guys are laughing at me. But I told him, I said, look, I'm, you know, I, I, I know you can't, you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you here. But those, this is almost like somebody put a poker up against me, a hot poker against me with those things being on my side. Uh, Let me ask you something. Was he, was he just totally oblivious or he just didn't feel it? What, 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 did, or did he, I, he had to be. He didn't feel anything? He had to be because, you know, I don't know who the guy was. I, I know people were familiar with him. And, you know, I've talked to people for years about the Ouija boards and a lot of people just kind of, shoo it away and then ah, you know there's nothing to that but but i'm telling you and i told him i said you know i don't know where you got these Ouija boards at and where you buy them and where and what are you doing with them but man you ought to really consider having these things cleansed somehow because yep. you know you're causing you're gonna you know if somebody goes and buys one of these things and they got a bad one you know you're they're gonna have problems 
Yeah. And I don't think you want to have that going on. But, you know, he didn't really care. So. Oh, no. I'm sure that there was people that were probably stupidly <laughs> attracted yeah, yeah. going, oh, my God, he used oh, Ouija he board. Him. Whoa. Yeah, yeah he was so. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all right. Yeah, you don't know what they use that Ouija board for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. You know, it's like they were letting something. Oh, before, one of the things that you mentioned that I wanted to touch base with you, that thing about possessed objects, and I tell everybody, you know, nowadays a lot of people, not only the garage sale, but you know that people leave a lot of their stuff now on the curbside, you know, they just like, you know, take whatever you want. I tell everybody, you got to be careful with that. Yeah. Especially if something looks pretty good shape. Yeah. Uh, it's out there for a reason. <laughs> or, or you know, this was Grandpa's furniture, but Grandpa passed away, and we don't need it anymore, so we'll just put his, uh, let's see, we'll put out his easy chair and all his little stuff out there. <laughs> Enjoy! Yeah. <laughs> Except yeah. Grandpa's going with that. He's not yeah, hanging Grandpa's out. He wants to go with his movie. easy chair and his TV. <laughs> so I tell everybody, you got to be careful. you got to be careful yeah. with some of that stuff. You know, cleanse it, do something, or if, or... At the very least, if you come around it and your gut tells you there's something weird about it, pay attention to it. Walk away from it. Walk away from I, it. I, I can't go into antique stores anymore. You wow. know, that, that, you know, I go into somebody's house who has a ton of antiques. I grew up around a lot of antiques, my parents, and it, it didn't really seem to bother me a whole lot then. But boy, I'm telling you, when I go to an antique store now, or to somebody's home has got a lot of antiques. I'm not there too long, believe me, because yeah. I'm, it, you know, I'm, it's, it's, I'm getting hit from all directions. Right, because your sensitivity and, level is so much oh, more. Yeah. You're yeah, so it's amazing to it. how how much energy is uh, attached to uh, to objects, especially personal objects, and yes. uh, yeah, it's it's really. Uh... Yes, <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do, not that whether it's old or not, mm -hmm. but. It's the use. You know when people constantly use something and they kind of put their personality on it? And I hate right. to say it, but with antiques, people would keep things. You know, we live more of a disposal type of, you know, society now. Right. But before, especially with antiques, people would keep these things as heirlooms and keep it and keep it. And they would pass it down. And that's why I'm saying that's why, you yeah. know, you get that, that feeling of stuff that. It's because it was in constant use by either that one person or even generations, for all you know. Yeah. And um, hopefully they were a healthy, healthy, happy person, if you know what I mean. I don't buy anything old unless I know the history behind it. I, yeah. I, I never do. <laughs> what you mean? Well, anyway, Lon, thank you so much. You have been absolutely wonderful. Um, and to interview, like I, I knew you would be because there's so many years of experience and knowledge that you have. And let me ask you, I'm going to put a link to your website on the credits of the show. But for anybody that's listening to the podcast version, what is your website address? It's phantomsandmonsters.com. Phantomsandmonsters.com. And over there, what, you have your blog and also any of the links to your books as well? Yeah, my, uh, you know, my books are actually on Amazon. You just... Mm -hmm. You just uh, search my name, Lon Strickler, and they'll come up. And uh, my most recent book is the uh, the uh, Chicago Wing Humanoids book, which is entitled Balkman Dynasty. Wow. That's great. That is such 
See, it's like, I'm telling you, like I tell everybody, the paranormal is a lot of things. It's not just necessarily ghosts. There's a lot of things out there in the paranormal world that I consider paranormal. But anyway, thank you so much. You have been absolutely wonderful. It was a pleasure to speak to you. And I hope to you'll come back in, uh, in the future and we can discuss some other interesting subjects, which I know you have treasure trove of experiences, stories to talk about. Hey, that's no problem. You, you want me to come on, just let me know. Absolutely. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Wow. 1970s, guys. Like that? I got you somebody from the 1970s. What I mean by that is... <laughs> those old-timers. Again, somebody that's seen it all, just about all. Because let me tell you something. If there's a good chance that is that when you've been around, if you see the evolution of the paranormal field or whatever. And I laugh when... He says, you know, that show in search of, because I remember seeing it with Leonard Nimoy, and that was like, woo, it was like, um, compared to what we have now. But uh, yes, check out his website. I, I've been there. It's super interesting. He, not only does he have the, you know, post uh, blog, he gets contacted by different people reporting things, you know, so on the different either UFO or cryptid sightings, things, things like that. And that's what happens. This is what I found when people are involved in this field for so many years and they've been established they're known so people gravitate to them to either tell them a story uh give them a sighting and what i personally love is this is the stuff that you don't hear about on the shows these are the real regular people that sometimes they tell these stories and it's almost like they're disbelieving themselves that they've actually seen or experienced this and of course they talk to somebody like Lon Strickler because it's like man I know you've heard it all so you're not going to raise your eyebrows at me and go what um so yeah as far as that you know firsthand regular people reporting encounters that they've had sightings that they have experiences that they have it's people that have been around a long time and have a site where they've they're they're known they're known they're known and uh like I said despite what everybody thinks that oh you know everybody wants to you know the the that uh, all these reality tv paranormal shows everybody's ready to come out and tell their story you'd be surprised there's a lot of people not really they still i think because they have a hard time believing it themselves they're afraid they're going to be judged or people are going to look at them queer or they're going to be called a liar or they're going to be called crazy because to them they're like, man, this is this does not fit in my reality somehow. But I know I saw it. And I need to speak to somebody who's going to say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And by the way, there's all these other thousands of people that have had the same thing happen to them. It's like, oh, thank God. You know, I'm not, I'm not that, that, that weird then. You think, who would think that that? Yes, there's a lot of people that do, you know, kind of like, you know, get all caught up in that that moment of, Oh my God, this just happened to me. I saw this, just me. And let's face it, it just feels better when you know that other people <laughs> have experienced something similar. It does not make you feel isolated. And you'd be surprised. There are people out there that have had experiences or sightings. Sometimes it's once, sometimes it's happened to them that because for whatever the circumstances might be. God, it could be a... Maybe at the beginning they don't talk about it because it's almost like if I don't talk about it, it won't be real. But let's face it, everywhere you go, there you are. You can't escape from yourself. 
So what happens is that they feel isolated. Sometimes they feel isolated even from their own family. They kind of carry this around with them because they're thinking, if I talk about this, I'm going to, again, be either called a liar, laugh at me, like, or I'm going to get weird looks or like, so they carry sometimes these experiences or these stories for years and to actually tell somebody, go, you know what? That one time I was out in the woods, this happened to me. Yeah. And it's like a burden is lifted off of them. And then when you tell it to somebody like Lon, he tells you, well, guess what? You know what? In that area that you described, I've had several people tell me that they had a similar experience. Now, can you imagine for somebody that's been walking around with his deep, dark secret that they don't want to tell anybody? You know how good that feels? Because, and again, this is the point I make. Let's say you've had one of these experiences. And you've gone off and you're reading some books because uh, on the side, because you're trying to still keep it on the down low that you had this experience. And, you know, some of these stories in these sightings experience never get published. They're not in any book. Sometimes they are, but a lot of times they're not. Especially if, let's say, you're talking certain areas or certain things that are like specific. And then you contact somebody that's got a blog that for years has been getting feedback and stories. This is the person that can firsthand tell you, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, I've had people that throughout the years have described exactly what you just said. And this person will think, man, I never signed any of the books. No, never made it into any of the books. But I know because I've been told by all these different sources that they had that experience. What? Again, so reach out. If you're walking around with some deep, dark, secret experience, that makes you a true believer. Contact me. Contact me at Marlene at MiamiGhostChronicles.com and let me know what it is. Talk to me. You can either email me. I'll interview you. You want to tape yourself. You want to keep it anonymous. I'm good with that. You can keep, you can either keep it anonymous from me or I'll keep it anonymous from you. Believe me, I'm very good at anonymity and confidentiality. Absolutely, 100%. Okay, but I would love to hear your story. And you know what? I might be able to give you some feedback and tell you what I think happened or if I've heard of similar stories because I've been doing this for a long time too. So, you know, you hear a lot of stuff, like I said, that um, is particular. I'm going to give you a perfect example here in South Florida. There's stuff here that happens in South Florida that you're never, ever, ever going to hear about in other parts of the country because there's just like a certain country. Okay, perfect example. We were talking about the... Uh, the Dutch, you know, powwowing uh, magic that's that they have up there in Pennsylvania, and he said all the way down to Virginia, you know, you that's the only part of the country that you come across that same thing. Different parts of the country, different areas have their own particular belief system or happenings or sightings or experiences. Um, so I can maybe help you out with if you've had a weird experience down here in South Florida, or sometimes I believe me, I've heard a good amount of first-hand stories from people that you know what it's incredible it only happened to them once but this is like the memory of it the experience of it even if it's years and years and years later they still remember everything with such detail like if like if it was yesterday because it was that they it was like it overwhelmed them so much on all levels that that memory is like branded into them so that's what i'm saying when they tell me these stories sometimes it's been years since it happened and 
but they, they can relate to it with minute detail about their experience. So anyway, guys, catch me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Also, again, like I said, don't forget to send me your true stories. I've got a lot of fantastic guests coming on. Okay, a lot of interesting people, different areas of the paranormal. Um, I am considering, I'm, I'm very, very, very close to it, where I'm going to be uh, streaming live, and I will be having a number for you guys to call in, and we can talk about answering your questions, whatever, and we talk it, we talk about it, you know, uh, you know, live streaming, it's going to be on the radio, and I'll probably tape it and then upload it to YouTube, but as far as the live stream, it won't be on YouTube, it's going to be on the radio, and I'm going to have a number, and uh, I want to talk to you guys, I want to hear your stories, or your questions, or whatever the case might be, and uh, like I said, you know, it's, it's, it's all about what's going on where, like I said, I think a lot of people, when they listen to other people's experiences, a lot of times they, they think, man, I'm not the only one that this has happened to. And I know that sounds really dramatic, but there's a lot of people that feel that way, uh, that they've never shared it. Or in some cases, believe it or not, you will have people that have had experiences that first like they feel cursed like why did this happen to me why did I have to see that why did I have to witness that or why did I feel it whatever the case might be because for them it's a burden it's a burden to have had that experience and even though you can't undo it or erase it it feels better when you know other people have seen or had the same experience as you so Ken guys as you can tell I'm sorry if I've sniffled but my allergies have been having I'm at the end of my day. I, I I woke up and I sneezed a couple of times and I said, oh, no, 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 no. And I've been battling all day long with my allergies. So I'm, I'm forgive me if I've, guys, if I've sniffled on your, my voice as you could tell it's going. But again, guys, thank you so much for being part of my audience, sharing this time with me. You are all absolutely wonderful. Until the next time. Also, before I forget, once I do the live streaming, uh, on the phone, I will probably post it on Facebook and on Twitter at one time I want to stream and what number you can reach me at so that you can guys can queue in and we'll answer your questions or hear your stories. So take care.